Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O Thou of God and man the Son, Thee will I cherish, Thee will I honor, Thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Beautiful Savior, Lord of the nations, Son of God and Son of Man, glory and honor, praise, adoration, now and forevermore be thine. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. We're looking at Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14. All praise and honor to Jesus Christ, who in this section uh, teaches some uh, major lessons for us today. This section, <clears throat> chapter 23 and 24, forms Jesus' last major public discourse. So let's read from the King James, Matthew chapter 24, the verses are 1 through 14. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For the nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Praise God's holy and divine word. Let us study, let us hear, 
Let us do those things that God would have us to do. This discourse is recorded in Mark 13, 1 through 37. It's also attributed to Luke chapter 21. In Mark chapter 13, let's notice verse 2 and 3. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Mark's record indicates that the disciples of Jesus were showing the Lord the grandeur of the temple with its magnificent stones and buildings. Herod's temple in Jerusalem was a great architectural feat. It extended over a large area and it included uh, massive structures that were both uh, for worship and for administrative purposes. The area was impressive. Jesus predicted its dissolution. Jesus said that not one of these magnificent stones would be left standing in the near future. In 70 AD, we know from historical record that Vespasian and his son Titus besieged Jerusalem for three years. Roman legions destroyed the city and its temple. In this prophecy in chapter 24 of Matthew and the other synoptic gospels, uh, the destruction of the temple is foretold as well as the city of Jerusalem. Also, the final judgment and the destruction of the whole world is noted, predicted, making the first, that is the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, a type of of the latter, that is, the final judgment and the destruction of the world. And in this discourse, Jesus chooses a number of details that apply to both. Example of this narrative construction is found in Isaiah 7, verses 14 through 17, particularly in verse 14 that reads, Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah, within the present tense, prophesied a type that portends that in future time, Emmanuel will be present. The present desolation, destruction, calamities will be short-lived and all enemies will be rendered powerless. The prophecy has 
both immediate significance to Ahaz and ultimate significance to the line of David in predicting the virgin birth of the Messiah. So we have a type and we have a foreshadowing of what will come in the future as a way of the narrative describing what is to come. Let's notice in Matthew 24, verse 3. Tell us, when shall these things be? Here we're talking about the destruction of the temple. The disciples come to Jesus and ask, and what shall be the sign of thy coming? The parousia, his presence we're talking about here. And of the end of the world, the aeon, the age. So these are three distinct questions. From Mark, we learn that the disciples were in fact Peter and James and John and Andrew who asked this question, these questions, Mark 13, verse 3. Jesus' immediate response in verse 4. Take heed that no man deceives you. Jesus stays laser-focused on the message. He wants the disciples to continue to know and, by extension, what he wants us to know, that we stay focused on his truth. The signs the disciples ask for in verse 3, again, tell us when shall these things be, were not answered directly. Jesus states in verse 5, Jesus warns of false teachers. Again, chapter 24, verse 5, many shall come, that is, false prophets. This was referenced previously in verses, uh, well, well, we'll reference it in other places in Matthew 24, 11, verse 11 and verse 24, and had been mentioned previously in other uh, parts of Matthew and previously. Many shall come, and this becomes a, a mantra, a, a, a message that is in the gospel over and over again. This idea of false prophets coming in. We'll reference some of those. In my name, he says, Jesus says, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Jesus knew that there would be false prophets whose spurious teachings would attempt to lead people astray from the one true doctrine. The Apostle John, again, would echo the same mornings in 1 John 2 and verse 26 when he wrote, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye not, need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaching teacheth you of all things. And then in 1 John 3 and 7, he writes, Little children, let no man deceive you. Paul wrote in Acts 20 and verse 29, 
I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. It is a challenge as well as an opportunity for Christians to identify and reject false teachers who create turmoil and confusion. Christian responsibility means to guard against heresy and apostasy. This call for diligence remains relevant today. People of faith, those called, must live humbly and obediently to the doctrine of Christ, therefore preserving in and contending for the truth, using the testimony of Jesus Christ as a sword in this righteous endeavor. Certainly we learned of that in our study of Jude, which we are continuing to do on our Sunday morning 9 a.m. Bible study class. False teaching, we know, is thwarted by sound doctrine boldly proclaimed. Verse 6. Wars and rumors of war. Controversy. Hostility. Chaos and anger abound then and now, but we are told the end is not yet. Jesus tells his disciples to get ready and stay ready, and he's talking to us as well. Verse 8, the beginning of sorrows. Note far heavier calamities are yet to come before the end literally of great torments, just like women in childbirth. Note Roman, Romans 8 and verse 28. This beginning of sorrows, therefore, represents great tribulations that we are to be delivered from. Notice verse 11 again. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Jesus continues to focus on the necessity of our intentionality in studying his word and following his example. When he says in second, when Peter writes in second Peter two and verse one, that these false prophets shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord. Verse 12. And because iniquity, that is, evilness and wickedness, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So, the wickedness of the world, the way the world operates out of self-interest and competition and uh, capitalistic incentive and motivation and the love of self and individualism 
And because of all those inclinations, the love of many for Jesus Christ, for the truth, will abate or wax cold. But we are told in verse 13, he that does what endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. Salvation is for those who live a faithful life, a righteous exemplary lifestyle, and serve God, bringing glory to his name. The focus of our life that must be reflected in our lifestyle is to endure in our steadfast study and righteous application of God's word. Verse 14 says, Then shall the end come. Before the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, the gospel of Jesus Christ had been preached throughout the world. Acts 8, 1 through 4. That they, were, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Romans 1, 8. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the world. With the end of Jerusalem temple, the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem, came the end of the physical kingdom of Jews, of the Jews. The spiritual kingdom would now be the ruling power, the spiritual kingdom of Jesus Christ. This kingdom would be the ruling power among the saints of God. John 18, verse 36. And Jesus says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. The end is what Daniel's vision considered the end of the Mosaic Law, the first covenant, and the beginning of the kingdom of God with Christ as king. The second covenant now becomes binding. Daniel 12, verse 5 through 13. We know the end of the law that the law was nailed, the Mosaic law was nailed to the cross. Colossians 2 and verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. The end of the Jewish economy ended with the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem, and the gospel of the kingdom becomes the spiritual kingdom that we need to focus on, the kingdom of heaven. Let's look back. John the Baptist declares in Matthew 3 and verse 2 from the Amplified Bible, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
fast approaching. Repentance is a radical change in one's life. With repentance and baptism and a faith journey, this new man has the hope of eternal life. This is the first mention of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, and thereafter we find 28 more references to God's spiritual kingdom. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, Mark 1, verse 15, and saying this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of heaven in the preaching of Jesus as recounted in the gospels is the reign of God that he brings through Jesus Christ, which is the establishment of God's rule in the hearts and the lives of his people. Again, the reign of God he brings through Jesus Christ, which is the establishment of this spiritual rule in the hearts and lives of his people. Matthew 12 and verse 28. Jesus declares, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. In Colossians 2 and verse 15, In him, having disarmed principalities and powers, he has made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And Hebrews 2, verse 14 and 15. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, verse 15, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus is our hope, our salvation. In him we find life. The kingdom of God proclaimed by Jesus and the apostles is synonymous with the millennium kingdom of Revelation 20, verse 4 through 6. The kingdom of God is a present-day spiritual reality with Christ ruling from heaven. This kingdom is populated by the saints who have given their lives to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This lesson is yours. I pray that something has been said this day in this lesson that is both edifying and uplifting. On next time, we will look at Matthew 24, verses 15 through the end of the chapter. Let's go to God in prayer this time. Let's pray one for another. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Father God, we, we come humbling ourselves uh, to you, Father, recognizing you are the creator and we are the creature. We thank you for your everlasting love, your mercy, your grace, your long-suffering. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who makes it all possible, Father, through his sacrifice on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, gives us the hope through him for eternal life with you, Father, if we live a faithful life and do those things that you would have us to do. And if it be your will, Father, we will find ourselves at home in heaven. Thank you, Father, for the church, the only church that's found in the Bible, the church that Jesus established where men, women, boys, and girls can find their own way back to you, Father, through fear and trembling. Father God, we, we come knowing that we fall short, that we sin, and we ask for your forgiveness, knowing that you are a God of second chances, Father, when we repent and do those things that you would have us to do. Father, we pray for all within the sound of my voice. Help us, lift us up, sustain us, Heal us of those things that stand in the way of serving you, Father. Help us to be the children that you would have us to be. Father, we pray for the sick and the shut-in. We pray for those behind prison walls. We pray for those in hospice care. We pray for those recovering from surgery or going into surgery, knowing that you are the great physician who has never lost a patient, Father. Help us, sustain us, if it be your will. Build us up where we're torn down. Help us to be gracious to one another, loving to one another, empathetic to all around us, Father. Thank you for being our God and for you calling us your children. These and all other blessings and favors we ask in the most gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, friends, thanks for listening. It's imperative that we in this sin-torn world learn those things that Jesus teaches us that we are to maintain focus on his word and his truth, reach out in love to one another, take this gospel out to the dying and perishing world and bring souls to him, for that is our commission. Again, thank you for listening. Uh, let us serve one another. Stay safe. Bye for now.